Hello, my friends. It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development, one tip at a time. Today, it's time for a self-improvement sit-down. Usually on the podcast, I share a short two-minute episode about an important topic that relates to personal development, sharing exercises, perspectives, wisdom and insights from books, and so much more. But not today. In self-improvement sit-downs, I take the time to speak with industry leaders and experts who share their well-earned knowledge with us. If any and all of this sounds good to you, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast. I show up for you every day, and you can count on me if you want to get more consistent with your personal development. Well, let's get into today's interview. This is self-improvement sit-down number 41 with Kara Golden. And we are live. Today's guest is Kara Golden. Kara is the CEO and founder of Hint, a water flavoring company that has taken on the beverage industry by using natural ingredients and giving consumers a tasty, healthier option. Kara has a brand new book called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, where she recounts the obstacles, triumphs, and tribulations she's encountered in her career. Miss Kara Golden, thank you very much for chatting today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Something I've learned about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs and innovators is that they typically don't accept the way that things are. They ask questions to understand why things are the way that they are. And you certainly approach life in a very similar way. You know, taking on mega corporations, challenging the establishment, zigging when everyone else is zagging, right? And I think it's a really effective tool, but it's not necessarily an intuitive or a natural tool to use. So I'm, I'm curious to know, your relationship with having a, a healthy curiosity when it comes to the way that things are and how has that helped you be effective as a professional? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I didn't really think as far as I'm going to go take on these corporations. I think for me, you're absolutely right. It, 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 was, it was really just this curiosity and, and why isn't this product out there? Why are we allowed to call things diet when they might not be as healthy as they are. Why did I believe that they were healthy and trying to sort of look back in history and, and figure that out. And I think that the, the best entrepreneurs in every single category, what I've seen and, and really one of the things that I cover in my book is, is this curiosity that is, it itches, right? Like it's, it just sits inside of you and one that you wake up with every single morning kind of asking why, why, why? And mm -hmm. in terms of, in, in terms of, I mean, people ask me all the time, have you always been curious? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I always was, I was the last of five kids. I was, you know, I think I look back and, and had, uh, on my, you know, upbringing and my dad, uh, I think being the last of five kids and having pretty wild brothers, I had two brothers and two sisters and I had pretty wild brothers. So by the time I really wanted to do anything, my, my dad was constantly saying no and my mom, hmm. but they were, they were always saying no. So I was like, why, why, why? <laughs> like I was constantly, and so I got a good, a good uh, start. To, mm -hmm. to being able to always like ask why. And I had permission to ask why too. And sometimes I didn't get the answer I wanted back or, you know, they didn't know. And I think I, 
I learned that sometimes you have to keep asking. Sometimes mm -hmm. you, you know, have to figure out that maybe people really don't know the answer when they actually just come up with an answer. You have to mm -hmm. figure out whether or not you just give up, right? Sure. Because it's not that important. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all of these things, little did I know later on in life, they would lead to actually launching a company, which today is the largest uh, non-alcoholic private beverage company in the US that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper Snapple. But that was mm -hmm. never my intention mm -hmm. in starting this company. And, um, and I really did it when I saw that giving up my diet soda was really what allowed me to really gain control of my health. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that, again, is kind of a point of curiosity that I thought, gosh, this really changed my life. I not only lost in a year 55 pounds from giving up Diet Coke, like mm -hmm. crazy, right? That, that it was just like, wait, is something else going on in my life that this, or is it actually this is kind of the catalyst? And, and at that point, I just started digging more and more into trying to figure out why this was really going on with me. And then that curiosity extended even further to say, you know, the fact that people spend so much money on dieting and eating healthy and watching their calories and all of these things. And yet, if we actually maybe removed some of these things from the system and made mm -hmm. it easier on people, then we wouldn't, you know, have that problem. And so again, I think that it starts with curiosity, but it's it but it continues. And if you look at people that I've always admired for their curiosity, I mean Steve Jobs was probably an early one for me that I, you know, watched when I was first um, starting out my career and and you know, it went on from there and now I you know, I'm always looking at when new categories are getting developed and, and really looking at the founder as, as, you know, what is it that made them ultimately want to take on this problem and try and solve it? And I really do think it boils down to the curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's the curiosity for sure, which has kind of been the, the decision-making process of, you know, not accepting things the way they are. And that's something I'll get into too, is kind of how we can embrace that. But there's yeah. also the element of the intention, you know, what your intentions were entering the space was you were so dedicated towards solving the health issue. It wasn't about making this really profitable business. Of course, that's a great byproduct, but the core intention was for you to solve a real problem that you kind of saw at a systemic level. And I think that's really admirable. And again, like you talk about Steve Jobs and other people I'm sure you look up to, they come and even Simon Sinek, right? Start with why, like to have that real core that you're building around, at least you have your North Star and direction. So that's something I, I really admire about kind of the, the origin story of Hint and how you at the epicenter of that has really you know, been, been valuable. But specifically, I want to probe on one of these parts because it's uncomfortable for me and I'm sure it's uncomfortable for others, which is that idea of not accepting things Mm -hmm. the way that they're, they're said to be. Um, mm -hmm. Because, of course, you know, one kind of sales or negotiation tip is, you know, try and get to know three times, you know, and, you know, make them say no, make them say no, you know, and it's like, it's uncomfortable. And that confrontation 
is something that not many people can actively make themselves do. But in your curiosity, you know, and here a, great, a few great examples are, um, you know, you stepping into Fortune magazine and demanding an interview, right? Which is something that is super uncomfortable, but you did that. And you building shelves with Jeff Bezos because he didn't want to have a, he didn't have time to have a conversation with you. And you created that because you refused to accept no for an answer or you, you wanted to probe deeper and kind of created that moment of confrontation in order to execute on the plan that you had established. So that's a long-winded way of asking a question, which is how can you as an individual feel more comfortable in that, that space of confrontation? And, and what is it about that process that you can kind of lean into in order to, to feel better and more comfortable with that? So I think it's, it really is two things. Uh, so first of all, the in both of those examples that you that you mentioned i think that the way that i viewed it was that i welcome experiences mm. in my life so so while people would ask me over the years was was it really scary to meet jeff bezos and and you know how did I mean, this was 1996. I mean, mm -hmm. it was really early. I mean, Very it was early. just doing books for those of you who didn't know this about Amazon. I mean, it was just, you know, it was, he was super scrappy. And, and again, there were some pretty big competitors that he had at that time. So it wasn't like, I don't know. He he wasn't this this godlike figure, you know. He wasn't the richest man in the world, you know, kind of mm -hmm. mentality at the time. But he was also, I mean, he was more senior than I was. He was a founder. He was CEO, whatever. But I think that I think sometimes I play in my mind a little bit, like if it doesn't really end up to be exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yes, there's going to be an experience, but if nothing else, I'll be a great dinner guest, right? <laughs> to, to somebody like say, oh my gosh, you know, okay, so let me tell you this nutty story and yeah. share with people. I flew all the way up to Seattle to meet with this person and blah, blah, wow. right? Like I just don't really ever allow myself. And then the same thing with Fortune. I mean, I had written to the then managing director, Marshall Loeb, who was kind of godlike. I mean, he was really, Fortune Magazine back then was, I mean, amazing on a lot of levels and still amazing. But but back then, I mean, I, I, I just figured the worst he can, what's the worst he can say? Mm -hmm. He can just say no, which he kind of did. But I just also figured, okay, well, I'm going to buy a ticket and go to New York. And I mean, first I tried to figure out, could I actually max out my credit card to actually buy a <laughs> ticket? To, and I could, and I, and I viewed it as like an investment to fly from wow. Phoenix where I was living to go to New York. And I mean, there's a bigger story there where I, I ended up adding in some other companies to go interview with uh, along the way. But again, the experience for me, I had never been to New York. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go have some interviews and I'm going to go out there. And it all kind of the stars just all sort of aligned. And, and so number one is experiences, but number two, and I think that this is probably an this kind of leads to the experiences as well is that I don't believe that we, that we always, or maybe we don't do it enough. And especially if you're not into kind of having these experiences that you're, 
that you're comfortable with placing yourself in uncomfortable positions mm-hmm. and and being a little bit afraid. Mm-hmm. And and so I I think I've I've practiced being a little bit uncomfortable for many many years. I I find actually that that people who were athletes as a kid um and particularly the ones that played through high school. I was a gymnast where there were a lot of things that I wasn't good at, right? And, and, but I would get up and I'd just keep trying. And what I recognized is that a week later, after really putting in the hours and mm-hmm. really being uncomfortable, I could look back and recognize that Last week, I couldn't do a round off back handspring, but mm-hmm. this week I can. And so I would keep setting these mini goals and making myself uncomfortable. And I, I really think that in today's world, whether that's figuring out, gosh, can I go get a meeting with somebody or can I, maybe I am afraid of heights as I am and mm-hmm. try and you know take on once a year something that is crazy scary to me but i'm going to do it anyway those those type of experiences also add to your ability to just be fearless wow. and what i think is so funny along the way and i think part of this comes with age as well if you place yourself in really uncomfortable situations is that you not only become fearless in people's eyes, when I actually think I have a lot of fears mm-hmm. and a lot of doubts about myself, but maybe I don't, I mean, I hear from people daily, they're like, how'd you get so fearless? How'd you, and, and I think you only do that by putting yourself into these situations. And that doesn't mean that you go jump out of a plane every week, right? Or, I mean, that just means that you do things that you actually think the odds are pretty low that you're going to be able to do it. Maybe it's like coming on your podcast, right? Or mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is. Like you just have to set up and they don't have to be giant. They have to mm-hmm. be just little things. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, getting healthy. Maybe it's climbing a mountain that, that is right around you that you've always thought, oh, that would be really cool. And with all of these experiences, you just gain strength. And, and I also believe too, that that strength, maybe you decide to just set goals to become more fearless in your personal life. I think that those things easily transcend into, into business as well, because you just figure I can, I can do this. Right. But, but most, but I really do believe that I don't know. It's like a yin and yang. It start, it's somewhere between wanting to have experiences and being okay with putting yourselves in uncomfortable situations. What an incredible answer. Wow. <laughs> incredible answer. No, I mean, there's so many things to pull from that. I mean, in particular, you're talking a lot about um, this kind of existential issue we have with what we do versus what we believe, you know, and something mm-hmm. I teach a lot is how our identity communicates with our behaviors. And then that kind of flows back and almost creates a working cycle. And that like is a self-fulfilling cycle a little bit. So you're referencing that, but it's a chicken or the egg, right? So it's like, where do you start and what do you believe? And, and it's actually, I'm so glad that we're on this topic because my intention for 2021, and I have a New Year's resolution setting workshop that's coming out too, where I'm helping other people kind of figure out what they want to do. 
is to get uncomfortable. And I'm thinking through, what does that look like? And for the exact reasons that you're talking about, I feel like I'm limiting myself in not putting myself out there, not being uncomfortable because there's a whole wealth of opportunity on the backside of it. And I think a lot of that ties into your book. So we'll get into that. But I first want to mention that the first part of what you mentioned that response is about acquiring experiences. I think that is so dead on because like ultimately when you put yourself out there and you get uncomfortable and you try something like what is the worst that's going to happen? And you have this crazy, incredible way of reframing that like, Oh, it's not me maxing out my credit card. It's me investing in this opportunity and giving it a try. (laughs) Right. And it's like the way that you've been able to reframe the different kind of Um, perceived challenges or perceived obstacles allows you to approach them with more confidence. And I think that's such an important point too. I'm kind of developing a philosophy on confidence right now, which is you only need confidence when you don't feel comfortable and you rely on how are you going to forecast your performance in a time when you don't know how you're going to perform. That's what confidence is for. And getting uncomfortable and relying on experiences where you've been there before is the bridge to becoming more confident. So I think I think that's such a, an amazing philosophy and mindset to hold. And, and again, it, it's not easy. It's not natural. But the fact that you've been intentional about just like really practicing that is, uh, has obviously um, bared fruits in your life in a number of different ways. So that, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's interesting because I would say that for me, you know, and obviously not really happening during this year, but travel experiences for me are mm-hmm. always perspective, perspective, but also uh, places where I, I'm not, I never figure all the, the things out ahead of time, mm-hmm. right? I, I will say, I'm going to go to Iceland, right? And I'll, I'll have a couple things figured out along the way. And then once I get there and really truly the best trips that I've taken have just been wander you know and wander along and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't have you know my to and from plane flights figured out but there's there's gonna there's wiggle room along the way right. and I think that that's the other thing with experiences that I figured out and one of the stories that I have in my book is as you mentioned about I wanted a job at fortune it never happened but I was there was a job opening at Time Magazine and I figured, okay, well, I'm going to take that job because I'm going to work for a great person that I'm going to learn from and maybe I'll end up getting to Fortune. And then I actually really liked where I was and, mm-hmm. I, and I was learning and so it was good. And I met lots of people from Fortune and I've been interviewed by Fortune a bunch of times and I tell that story and you know it's all good. And so sometimes actually not, you know, maybe having a goal that is a little bit scary and you get there or you get close, but you don't actually get there or maybe you fail, but you stop somewhere along the way. I think also that ends up when, when you look back in time, you recognize that some things are out of your control Mm -hmm. and that's, that's a whole other you know, thing that you have to kind of get comfortable. And I enjoy, people always said to me, don't ever look back. And I was always really uncomfortable with that statement because I would, again, my curiosity would be, well, maybe you should look back. Maybe you would learn a lot of stuff, you know, or, or whatever it is. And now I've become more and more confident in 
that uh, analysis of, of that statement because I think if you look back, you actually can look at how far you've come, mm-hmm. but also, uh, but also, things that maybe didn't end up the way that you had initially planned, but ended up better, mm-hmm. or there were lessons learned along mm-hmm. the way. And so if you, it's really about kind of getting your mindset together. And I mean, I'm smiling as I talk about those things because I mean, that's my life. So I think that that is really allowing a little space in your in your life, whether it's personal or business is also mm-hmm. kind of for those experiences is really you know, let the wind kind of take you a little bit. Um, I think that's part of your reframe in terms of the mindset and how you've been able to reframe these challenges or obstacles or uncertainties is you view them through the lens of adventure being like, all right, you know, let's see where this takes me. And you have almost a faith that the adventure in itself is going to be enough of a reward. And then if everything Mm -hmm. else happens, then it happens and it's great. And that's a win. But ultimately you approach things with the kind of that that, that spirit of adventure, which, um, which is a great lesson. I think that's an incredible lesson to take. I, I want to get back on because this is such yeah. a cool rabbit hole, but I want to yeah. get back onto something that relates um, really intrinsically to kind of this idea we're talking about with experiences, which is your book and specifically the subtitle of your book, um, which I think is it is just like so gut-wrenchingly like authentic. Um, so well done writing that. But the subtitle is Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And anyone can relate to that, right? Like that's just such a pure subtitle. Um, but we all have that inner critic. We all have insecurities. We all have things that hold us back, right? And kind of we're already talking about a little bit. Um, but when you have those moments, you flip them on its head and you use doubts and kind of uncertainty as a strength. And you kind of embrace some of that. Um, and I think that fear, like a, healthy, like a healthy dose of fear kind of ties into this as well. Um, but could you just tell us more about kind of, I guess, your experience with encountering doubts and doubters and how you have been able to work through those situations to, to, to get where you're trying to go, or at least to, just to see where you ended up? So while I tried to figure out my health issue, that's when I recognized that there was this whole space out there that I was really curious about. And as so as I started to figure out, okay, I'm going to go and launch this product. I go to Whole Foods. I'm just a consumer, right? I have no idea how to get a product on the shelf. I don't know about you, but you know, I'll, I'll walk in. This is a whole new industry. And so I started asking the guy, at Whole Foods. I didn't even know there was like a national buying office in Austin. I just hadn't really thought about it. And I said, so how do I get a product on on the shelf at Whole Foods? And he is like, well, what do you mean? And I said, like, I, I want a product with fruit and water in it and no sweeteners. And how do I do that? And he said, well, have you ever launched a product before? And I, I was like, mm, no, but I'm just curious. Like, how do I do it? And so he he sort of barely told me, but again, enough to kind of get me curious. But nonetheless, he sort of was, he was my first doubter in, in hmm. sort of the, the topic of, of beverages where he was, maybe he didn't say, you'll never be able to do this, but you could just definitely tell in his voice, like, am I wasting my time even having mm-hmm. this conversation with her? And that only continues as I'm starting to dig, try to figure out, 
you know, like for example, these uh, these caps I'm holding on to on, on the bottle, they're actually not called caps in the beverage industry, they're called closures. And so if you're actually trying to get information, there was this whole new voc vocabulary. Again, I'm a smart person. I had done really well. I had, you know, had mastered, I guess, the language and tech exactly what I needed to do. But I found this industry that was really scary to me, right? Mm -hmm. Where I was having all these experiences where I wasn't at the top of my game, where I wasn't being asked by 200 people to approve. And so it was an experience for me that allowed me to be a little uncomfortable because mm -hmm. that was not what I was used to, used to doing. And so so the net of it is, is when I finally got it on the shelf at Whole Foods, I thought for a minute, okay, score, like I've, I've got it on the shelf. It's going to, you know, just snap my fingers. And I, I was used to being on this train that went really well. But <laughs> what I realized really quickly is, A, this was my company and it was going to take a lot of money to sort of grow it. But also the fact that I, I knew nothing about this industry. I had friends who were saying, hey, we really, we love your product. We really want to back you. And I'm like, don't do that. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing right now. But again, I think that I clearly, I, I was knowledgeable enough to know that I didn't know and pretty quickly figured out that not only were we launching a, a product and a company, but a new category, which it, in any industry, if you launch a new category, I think that the key thing is that you've got to not only educate the consumer about why they need an unsweetened flavored water, there's the buyers out there who we were going to, who we had had success at Whole Foods, we're going to Safeway and saying, hey, how about an unsweetened flavored water? And they're like, why, why would I need that? Hmm. And so you have all these doubters because they just, because they don't, know what to do with you. I mean, there are so many doubters out there when you are so much ahead, right? When you're an early adapter, you've got this idea and they're, they're going to sit there and doubt it. And that feeds into your own doubts. You can mm -hmm. say, you can say it doesn't, but come on. Like, of course it does. The more people you talk to and the more higher level or the more power they have in making decisions, it's you're human. Of course, it's going to be right in, in that position. So, so I think that that is also something that I thought about in writing this book too. That when I was primarily out speaking about over the last few years about how I built the company and also being a female founder, uh, I remember this one talk that I was get, giving where there's always the Q&A at the end and people are, you know, raising their hand and somebody raised their hand and, and said, listen, I, you know, obviously you're not like me. You've never had any fears. You've never had any doubts. You've never had any failures. And I'm thinking about my business. And I think at that point I stopped and I said, do, do I really look like I've never had any fears or never had any? Mm -hmm. I mean, I said, I'm, wow, I'm like a great actress because that is not what happened at all. Mm -hmm. And I've had all these failures along the way. And then I started telling a story about some of the things that I had encountered along the way. And, uh, and what was so interesting to me is that's what really when I started getting 
tons and tons of emails after every single one of my talks. People would say, it's, you know, you're such an authentic leader. You're so, like, we never hear about CEOs talking about their failures. We never talk about, and, and I said, really? Because I know a lot of these people now and they've all had them. And, mm -hmm. and, and so they're like, well, why aren't they talking about them more? This really helps us to get up in the morning and get going and be uncomfortable, et cetera. So anyway, it's, a, it's something, there's a few different points in there, but I think that that's the thing that ultimately really drove me to really want to talk about this more. And what I thought about when I, um, when I decided to publish this book was how much can I ultimately help people who might not be at my talks or sure. might not be my friend. And can I actually publish these stories to really help people know that if I can do something, they can do something. And I've had all the same, you know, roadblocks and barriers and doubts and failures. So mm -hmm. that was really the, the key thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing. And I think that's, that's kind of even built into the subtitle, overcoming doubts and doubters assumes that there are doubts and doubters that are out there. And what do we do in the face of those doubts and doubters where, well, it's a very natural response to, to have fear, to, to step into it without certainty, you know, and, and I think you being able to detail some of the ways that you've done that and looking back at it, because people know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but then also kind of giving some visibility into some of those issues is just, it's refreshing. I think that's why people are responding so positively to that vulnerably is because it's refreshing to be able to actually place yourself in the shoes of someone you look up to. So the fact that you're offering that for so many people is really, um, is really valuable. But then again, you know, in order to overcome the doubts and doubters, and you know, you talked a little bit about like the adoption curve and how there's resistance up front, and people are like, oh, and that's because it threatens the way that they know things to be and they're comfortable with that. So you're kind of going against people's psychology and trying to encourage them to be uncomfortable, which we've already talked about is very difficult, but there's this opportunity to, to kind of push through that self-perceived barrier in order to access the reward that's in the end. And I think if you think about it and you kind of label it in more of a conventional way, you know, talk about risk, you know, you're taking that risk to expose yourself to doubts and doubters, to disagree with the doubts and doubters both imposed upon you by others, as well as your own doubts and, you know, yourself being a doubter of yourself, potentially that's within our psychology. I'm curious to know a little bit more about your philosophy when it comes to risk-taking and how do you quantify and evaluate risk? Because you do have this interesting way of framing everything that happens as adventure and opportunity and like the upside of it, although there's very clearly consequences that could be perceived as negative. So I'm curious to know how you weigh those two things and approach risk because it's, I think it's pretty unique. So when people heard that I was starting a beverage company, all my friends were in tech, right? And that's, that was my world that I lived in. And, uh, and a few of them would say to me, so what if this doesn't, what if this doesn't work? And, and naturally I kept thinking, well, I could always go back to tech. And a few of my friends would even say, but you better not like do this for very long then. And I, <laughs> and I said, so how long? I mean, I wanted somebody to define it, right? And nobody could really define it. Well, not too long. And I kept thinking, I've done a really great job up until now. And if I go and decide to launch my own business and do it because I have a why and a purpose and 
no one's going to hire me, then <laughs> I don't want to work with them anyway. Mm that's cool, right? Like I, I just was, I don't know. I just, and, and that's how I view risk all the time. That if you go and show people that you're actually going to go and do something that, as I said before, maybe it just makes you a little bit more interesting to have as a dinner guest. I don't know. And that you went and tried something, even if it, even if it fails, right? Those are the, those are the stories I know I would want in, in, to have as a friend or an employee. And it's, uh, it's something that, that I think people also really do need to think about. I, I guess as what I was saying before about looking back on, on things too, that if you're, people come up with these major statements like, well, you shouldn't be out of tech for very long. And, or, you know, another one even right around the same time just before this was when I was taking some time off to be with my kids, people would say, well, how much time are you taking off? You don't want to take too much time off. I'm like, how much time? Like, what's bad? You know, and people have these like really, really strong opinions. And again, they don't really know where they come from. They just mm -hmm. kind of, they, they've just got this idea that, oh, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't do this or whatever. And I think it really boils down to that you got to get you got to put yourself into uncomfortable situations, but you also have to think for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that is really, that, that is such an important life lesson overall mm -hmm. that, that everyone else's opinions and path as, as they're, as they talk about risk is their own thing, right? Find your thing and find what makes you that it, find what makes you uncomfortable and able to uh, move forward and enjoy these experiences and write your own story. I think more than more than anything else, and I think that that's it, that that is really where you ultimately figure. I mean, risk just like it's it's like a bad word to so many people it's like the, you know that r word right it's like it's something that is that is so scary and risk doesn't have to be i mean that that scary right it can actually be something that is if you view it instead as it's something different than i'm doing like like find that word maybe that it doesn't allow your brain to halt mm -hmm. in some way and I think that that's what, that's what I've done. And even going back to, you know, being a gymnast, I mean, look, the sport is risky. And I knew that there were chances that I was taking doing, you know, lots of different things. And by the way, I broke lots of bones along the way. Mm -hmm. I never planned on doing those things. I never set myself up for thinking that those kind of things were going to happen, but they did happen. And mm -hmm. so... I don't know when you when you have that mindset I think it you just feel a lot more grateful a lot you know I don't know people somebody said to me yesterday oh you've been really lucky I'm like really like I I mean I guess so I I guess that's one that's your that's your term I guess that this person's term and mm -hmm. I said I I know I've worked really hard and and I don't know maybe you can say I've been at the right place right time but I've also um taken opportunities, experiences. I've, I've sure. welcomed things. I've welcomed conversations along the way because I feel fortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, 
the, the way that I kind of understood that is risk is a choice, you know, and mm-hmm. when you make a choice, totally. there are different things that can happen. But having faith in yourself in the decision that you made, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of solace to be found in like the agency that you have in executing a choice. And if that choice is risky or whatever, and also quantifying, like you said, the worst case scenario, we've talked about that too. But the reason that, you know, risk is labeled as such is because there's that perceived downside and you can reframe that downside, which I think is so mm-hmm. interesting, but other people can't. And that's where kind of people imposing their own insecurities and projecting like onto you, you know, if I were in that situation, this is how I would feel. So this is how I want to make you feel, you know, that is really influential. And as you're saying, write your own story. Don't let those other opinions that people have influence your own decision-making because they come from their own context and their own background. You come from your own context and your own background. So of course, educate yourself and know your options that are out there, but ultimately you make your own decision, which I think is fantastic. And I think that completely leans into the book title, which is Undaunted, right? It's, it's knowing that you are making your choice for your reasons and you trust that and you're not afraid of that because you have enough confidence in yourself and you've earned that confidence through experience, right? So there's an element of that fearlessness, but not really being intimidated by your future too, or not being intimidated by the consequences of your choices. But to, to wrap this up, because this has been a fantastic conversation, I'd love to, to hear your definition of what it means to be undaunted. I think being undaunted means continuing to move forward and that and live that way. And if you find yourself not able to move forward and and somewhat paralyzed by whatever, whatever it is, then you have to figure out how you do move forward and how you... uh, how you live undaunted. And I, and again, I think that when you do that, that your, your outlook, your um, satisfaction, your curiosity, all of those things kind of fall into place. Hmm. And the people that I know that are consciously living that way. And if you find that you're stuck in, in some way, actually going and taking some chances, doing the things that you're not supposed to be doing. I've certainly done lots of those things. Sometimes not, I think sometimes not knowing the rules or not really paying attention to dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. Uh, but instead just taking a little step forward, then you recognize, huh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I can go and do something. And, and that could be as little as if, for example, you're thinking, gosh, I could never go start a business. I always say to people, why? And they're like, oh, I, don't, I mean, I could never raise money. I could never write a business plan. Never. Well, what could you do today? Uh, I don't know. Like, well, what's, what, what is it that you could, that you could do? Then you're actually making progress towards doing something. And you may decide that I I actually don't want to do this, but instead you've actually done something and gotten a little bit forward and lived undaunted. And it was interesting, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, and it just takes a little bit of time to do Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that I think, again, 
all at the end of the day really provides the the happiest people I know are the ones that just go and and do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starting is certainly the hardest part. And whether it's buying a domain name or a great example Ooh. that's really inspired me is uh, Adam Braun is the founder of Pencils of Promise. Mm-hmm. He's someone that I'm working with on this four-purpose social impact project I was mentioning to you. And uh, he put $25 in a bank account to start a nonprofit. It's like take action in the smallest form because that is representative of progress. And that ends up being the fuel and the proof that you need that validates what you want to work toward. And just taking that small, slow step forward is totally all, agree. all it's about. So that's, that's incredible. Kara, you, I'm, I'm impressed. You have this really calming, genuine presence about <laughs> you. I know. I, I thank you. I thank you for taking the time and for sharing your wisdom. And uh, thank you. I, I look forward to the continued impact you have through your book and other projects and everything. But thank, thank you for your you. time. It's been amazing. Super appreciate it. Thank you. That was Hint CEO and founder, Kara Golden. I wasn't kidding when I said she has a very calming presence about her. And I think that's because she embodies what she talks about. Her authentic curiosity and almost playful way of probing deeper into things to understand the real reasoning behind certain decisions. The way she reframes things in her life to see the value in the experience of it, rather than being so tied up in the result. And what it means to overcome doubts and doubters to be undaunted in the face of risks and fears as you create a life that is best for you. We touched on a few of her stories, but Kara shares so many more that really solidifies these concepts. You can read about them in her book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, which is available at www.drinkhint.com slash selfimprovementdaily, or just click the link in the description of this episode. Way to show up for yourself today. Keep up the good work and thank you for listening. I'll see you again tomorrow on Self-Improvement Daily.